0: Welcome to New World of Work, a podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce. I'm Reese Black, Head of Workplace Design at Oyster, a global employment platform making it easier than ever to build a brilliant team on an international scale. On New World of Work, we'll hear from some of the world's best and brightest people and culture experts on cutting edge topics that people operations professionals need to hear today, all through a global lens. Join us as we navigate this new world of work together and learn more about each other along the way. If you're a PeopleOps pro, founder, C-level exec, or just someone passionate about the future of work, then I want to invite you to a special event. Oyster's hosting a free virtual conference called Ascent on August 11th, and we'd love to see you there. Join us for a day full of possibilities as we look beyond borders and into the future of distributed work. To learn more and save your free spot, visit bit.ly forward slash Oyster Ascent. I repeat, bit.ly forward slash Oyster Ascent. Or click the link in the show notes of this episode. First impressions go a long way. Whether it's during recruiting, interviewing, hiring or onboarding, candidates and new team members are assessing our companies. So how we communicate and interact with them in these early processes could make or break their success and ultimately affect staff retention rates. Helping new hires feel welcome and valued isn't a new idea, but studies are showing that it could be more important than ever especially in a remote working world, which has created unique challenges for new hires and people managers. As we've heard in previous episodes, a thoughtful and deliberate onboarding plan, timely communication, and pathways to connecting with other team members all contribute to a vibrant company culture. In this episode, I have the pleasure of discussing the importance of onboarding and retention with two guests from Bonusly, Lisa Schmuttermeyer, a people ops specialist, and Laura Sarracho, a content marketing manager who's weighing in from the people manager perspective. As an engaging employee recognition and rewards platform, Bonusly strives to enrich company culture. Hearing both a people ops and people manager perspective produces some tangible advice that I hope you can take away from this episode. Enjoy.
1: I'm Lisa Schmuttermeyer. I am a people operations specialist here at Bonusly. I do a wide range of things and a lot of employee engagement, payroll, onboarding, employee experiences. So I get to sprinkle a little bit of joy wherever I can, which is my favorite part of people operations. (laughs) The employee experience begins the minute the offer letter is signed. You know, when a new hire begins, you want to capture that excitement right away and ensure you're checking in with them throughout the time they sign the offer letter all the way to their first day. So, what we do here at Bonusly is we do a lot of communication. So, once I see that the offer letter is signed, we automatically send their first email like congratulating them, welcoming them to the team. And then from there we have them fill out like a, an employee equipment form, so whatever they think is going to make them most successful at the job, they put in the equipment form and then you know we have lots of different things we send out swag. We keep the communication process going. I would say I check in about at least once a week to just ensure, you know, have your packages arrived how are you feeling? And then right before their first day, about three days before I send them a, what do you expect on your first day email? And in that email, there's a screenshot of a, their Google calendar for their first week. So we send that to help bring down anxiety and, and increase their excitement over their first week when you know what's going to happen. So you're not just like, Oh my gosh, what do I expect? You already know. People operations leaders should be keeping retention in mind when onboarding new hires, because it does take about six months to ramp someone up and about a year and 18 months to be comfortable in their role to make a strong and consistent impact. You know, after a whole year, you get to see a whole cycle of a job. So that will really help you really leave your mark um, after that time. And then You know, first impressions are extremely powerful, so you really have one shot at this. If you can make people feel a sense of purpose, progress and belonging, and build connections really early on, I think this will be a huge tie to retention.
2: Hi, my name is Laura Siracho and I'm a content marketing manager at Bonusly, so I lead the content team in our marketing department. And I not so secretly one day want to move over to people operations. And I love partnering with our people ops team just because I'm, I'm really invested in the employee experience and really want my team to feel a sense of belonging and progress and pride in what they do. So really love all things, people management and people operations. So I think a key challenge right now with retention is that there's just so much going on on in the world right now. There are so many stressors in work, at home with your family, in the world. And I think as organizations, we're still navigating how to have those conversations so that employees feel safe and feel like they have a safe space to talk about this. So whether it's being able to point employees to mental health resources or having conversations about current events, um, or getting ahead of burnout, right? Like bonusly recently started having stay interviews with employees. That way we can kind of get at the bottom of, Hey, like, why are you here? What, what makes you excited when you turn on your computer every morning? Like what would actually prompt you to want to leave? Right. And so I think there's just, there's a lot going on and the the line between work and life really is blurred and organizations are still navigating how to best take care of their employees while also taking care of their business.
0: Okay, so thank you very much both of you for joining me today. Laura, in some ways, you're giving the people manager perspective side in this episode of the podcast, as well as being an aspiring people ops leader yourself. So I hope you are able to get into that position one day. But it'd be interesting to, to hear why, why is it important for people managers to also get on board with the process of, of integrating new hires into their team as early as possible?
2: I mean, it's crucial that people managers are a big part of onboarding new teammates. And it's because it's no surprise that people often leave managers, not jobs, right? And yes, it's incredibly important that people operations are part of onboarding and making sure that new employees understand, you know, tools and trainings and and culture and all of that. But People managers, like eventually will move from onboarding into like, okay, now you're integrated into the team and a manager should really be there to one, ensure that that new hire really gets to know the team, right? Like I'm actually onboarding someone next week and top of mind is like, how can I make sure that he's meeting different people on the marketing team, but also cross-functionally I want to make sure that he's meeting people in other departments, especially since we're remote, it can be really easy to get siloed into your own Slack channels. Um, And then at the same time, I think there's this push pull of when someone onboards, you're kind of like in the weeds of learning so much and figuring everything out. And you're also like, am I actually making an impact? Am I contributing at all? And (laughs) I think like a hiring manager and a people manager's job really is to help them navigate that balance of taking their time, Learning the ropes, but then also integrating those small projects so that they can also start learning by doing.
0: Can you tell me more about the stay interviews that you were talking about? It's very common to do exit interviews, which is you know uh, useful in some regards, but you know you're you're kind of past the point of no return at that point. Um, Yeah, maybe you could tell us a bit more about that. Maybe some of our listeners might be interested in testing that out in their own companies.
2: So stay interviews, it's actually a new thing that we are starting to roll out at Bonusly. And it's a great partnership between people operations and people managers because our people ops team says, hey managers, we want to do this. Here are some questions you can ask, like go start doing them, give us some feedback. And then from there we'll like actually make it a process. And one thing that I think is really powerful is, say, for example, you ask an employee, like, what would prompt you to leave, right? And if you and if you find out that most people really value, like, oh, I love that we have flexible work hours, that we have, like, a remote first policy, if you can gather that data, and then at the same time, your organization is trying to put together a return to work policy, it's like, well, actually, maybe we shouldn't do that, because we know that a majority of our of our employees really value flexibility, right? So it's really good to like, once we get to that place to be able to turn those answers into data so organizations can make decisions.
0: Could you share uh, an overview of your onboarding process, bonusly, and, and why you have included each element of it?
1: You know, like we said before, it doesn't just start on day one. It starts prior to that, like basically right when their offer letter is signed. So we welcome them beforehand. Again, we send a screenshot of their calendars, cards, like a welcome card, some swag. We just want to make sure that they really hit the ground running. So one of the things that I think is really fun here at Bonusly is we have a Bonusly welcome bot through our product. And it automatically welcomes them. And people can pile on to welcoming the new person. So say Lisa Schmuttermeyer started today. and it gives you automatically a certain amount of points. And then everybody can add different point systems on there. They can add a fun GIF, GIF. I know that's some fun things, you know, a debate here, whether you call it GIF or GIF. (laughs) But I just think that really creates connection really from the get-go on your first day. You just feel so, I remember feeling so welcomed by everyone. I was like, wow, these people don't even know me and they are welcoming me. It's really cool. And then on their first day, they receive, we have something called like an onboarding checklist and tools document. And so it's really split into four sections. So we have like a welcome section where we ask them to like introduce themselves. They have onboarding buddies. They have all these different things. You can upload like a, a picture of yourself and all your profiles to make you more personable and so, everyone can see your put a face to the name. Um, we have another section that is com- has like all of our company perks, and we link everything in this document back to guru cards. So, click it, you can see more information that's written out there. Um, we also have tools, so like all the apps we use, and then we also have documents to read on their own. So, some departments actually have their own section as well where they put all the documents that they think the person needs in their department to ramp up correctly. So that's been really helpful as well. And I've been developing that with each department. And then um, also in the document, it has different priority levels. So we have high priority, medium and low. So high will be please complete this in your first week. Medium is complete between week two and three, and then low is complete by week four. So they should have the whole document completed by the end of their fourth week. And then right after their fourth week, we send them an onboarding survey to just get a pulse on like, how was the onboarding process? Is there anything that you think we could improve on? Like a very feedback oriented company. So we really appreciate that like radical candor and just hearing the feedback so we can keep improving and making the process better.
0: Fantastic. One of the things that that we did pretty early on in the company is we we made a decision to share a lot of documentation, a lot of information about the culture of Oyster internally. There's a, a whole host of different notion docs that we, we, we publicly shared and we found a few things. Um, first thing is that candidates loved it. They really got excited at the ability to get a deep understanding of a company. So I guess far up the funnel, you know, just at the very early stages of uh, even considering applying and, and, and trying to figure out whether it was an interesting company and a good fit for them. But then what also happened as well is that it it really helped our onboarding because candidates when, well, by this point they, they'd signed their offer letter, so they, they were employees, were, were so familiar with Oyster in terms of how we do, what we do, what we do, who, responsible for what who's the best person like all of this information a lot of that is public already That actually made our onboarding quite a light lift Uh, in a lot of ways they were so familiar with that information um, even before day one um, that it it really really helped with the onboarding process not sure if that's maybe something that you played around with uh, it bonusly as well
1: yeah but we have the employee on handbook so you can anybody can go look that up really it's on our website and then we also send a lot of information prior, like in the welcome email. We'll send, like, a we'll, little, we send everybody a, the book called Radical Candor. So um, we send them a little bit about that. And then we also send them, like, company perks and all the things that they can read prior to starting. So I do agree with you. It definitely helps see what the culture is about prior to starting, or honestly, even prior to applying for the job.
0: For candidates, First impressions could begin as early as the way a job posting is written, or what is included on the careers page of your company website. Each touchpoint from then on will be another opportunity to reveal more about your company and the culture you've created. Communicating and sharing as much information as possible before a new hire's first day can make the actual onboarding a lighter lift. New hires will come prepared so that more time can be spent on making connections with other team members and training for their new role. It's important to emphasize that this is an ongoing effort, and state interviews sound like an effective way to learn what employees liked or didn't like about your onboarding process. Oyster recently published the 2022 Employee Expectations Report that has a ton of valuable insights straight from knowledge workers themselves that could help your company assess if you're making a great first impression. Check out the show notes for a link to the report, or visit this bitly link, bit.ly forward slash oyster report. I repeat, bit.ly forward slash oyster report. Let's go a little deeper and hear how Laura and Lisa welcome new hires. Okay, so a question for you both because it covers both the the People Ops side as well as the the hiring manager or the people manager side. How can People Ops leaders and people managers make new hires feel welcome and, and valued from the get-go? We've touched on this a little bit, but I think it would be be good to go a bit deeper on this.
2: So there's a few things that I love to do to help new hires feel welcome. And one is a I call it a user guide. Uh, we can also call it a how to work with me guide. And essentially it's a document that I have new hires fill out that ranges from, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, why do you, why did you want to apply for this job? Why are you excited to be here? And then tell me like, how do you best work? Like, when do you like to work? What's your communication style? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? So on and so forth. And I also share mine as well. And once they fill it out, then I get my whole team together and we read through them. And so I think it's just a really great way to let new hires know that, yes, we're all different. We all have our preferences for how we work and how we communicate. We all have our strengths. We all have our room, our areas for development. And so let's talk about them as a team. And one piece of this that I really love that Bonusly does is we have all new hires take a strengths assessment by Gallup. And so it's probably like a 20-minute rapid-fire quiz, and then it spits out your top strengths. And what I really love about it is we're really focusing on like, where are you a rock star, right? And then again, our whole marketing team meets and we say like, okay, as we have more people, we have more and more strengths in different areas, how can we better collaborate? And so it's just a great way to reinforce, hey, you belong, you matter, you have so much unique things to bring to this team. And so let's talk about it as a team. So that's one of my favorite things. And then of course, and I'm sure Lisa can talk more to like the fun events that we do, but we always make sure that we have a card with everyone's Bitmoji (laughs) shared on Slack the first day. Our marketing team is really into Bitmojis and we make sure that we have buddy chats where people can just get on like 30 minute one-on-ones with new teammates and just learn about them, right? Like we don't want to just yet dive into like, tell me about what you do at Bonusly and how we can collaborate. There's a step before that. That's like, where do you live? Like, tell me about yourself. What do you like to do? Tell me about your background. And so, again, I really want to reinforce that it's so important for teammates to get to know one another, especially in a remote environment, and then to make them feel like they really are valued and they belong by showcasing their strengths and giving them the opportunity to share like how they best like to work
1: to make new hires feel welcome and valued from the get-go is something that I personally just love to do. Like I said, at the beginning, I love to sprinkle a little bit of joy throughout the process and actually had somebody start, I would say a month or two ago. And we found out that they were, had COVID and, you know, there's a personal element here. Like you're not just like a workhorse, you're a person first and foremost. So if you have to not start on your first day because you're sick. Don't start. We want you to start when you're like well and able to. So um, we ended up sending this person a care package, just get better soon. We can't wait for you to join the team. And the coolest part was he emailed back and was just like, that reinforces that I made the right decision to join bonusly. And that's why I love doing what I'm doing. That little joy here and there can really just go a long way. And just making sure that there's a human element behind the screen, the computer is really important.
0: So a bit of a follow-on question for for both of you, because it's not very often that we have two guests on on the podcast at the same time. So I, I would love to hear for maybe whether it's a people ops leader that's listening to the podcast or it's maybe a, a people manager, how would you make sure that that comes together, that I guess the split of responsibilities that we've just spoken about are understood and you know, okay, uh, this people manager is gonna be covering this base, I'll be covering that base, to make sure that it's a really strong cooperation.
1: I actually just rolled out our new onboarding process, I think it was two months ago. So in that process, we have a monthly people manager meeting that I presented in. So I was like, here's the document and I gave a very big overview of what it was. Um, I really studied it my first three months here of what was working, what wasn't working, looked at that onboarding feedback in the surveys that we were getting of, you know, here's where we're hitting the mark, here's where we're not. And really, I started taking I looked at everybody else's checklist that they were doing in different departments. And I was like, whoa, this is a cool idea. And this is a cool idea. And I started bringing all these ideas in, which is awesome. Of um, Actually somebody Laura works with Mike had different priority levels in his checklist. And I was like, that is a great idea. And I'm definitely going to like expand on that. So once I built out the process, then we had the people managers meeting. I showed it to them. They had, if they had any questions, they asked it. It was about a half an hour presentation. And, um, I've really heard great feedback from it that people are feeling more engaged from the get-go, that people are understanding what they should be doing on day one. Being remote, it has a different challenge than being in person where somebody can't just like come to your desk and be like, hey, what should I be doing? People aren't comfortable doing that from the get-go virtually. So you want to make sure you're being clear and concise with your communication starting day one.
0: Laura, what do you think of it? how to to make sure the people manager and people ops leader dream team works well?
2: Bonusly is a bit of an advantage here. Like we're an employee engagement platform. We're in the employee engagement space. And so we know how important it is to recognize employees, ensure that they're engaged, that they feel a sense of purpose, progress and belonging in their work. And we also know that it's not up to HR leaders alone, which is why we really emphasize a strong relationship between our people ops team and our people managers. So I really love that because it's like the culture we're in, it's like really reflected in what Bonusly does day in and day out. And as Lisa mentioned, we do have these monthly manager trainings where she'll come in or other people will come in to train people managers on something. And Something we actually did company-wide was we revamped our hiring process, which I think is another great example of a partnership between recruiters and hiring managers, right? Like it's not just up to recruiters to develop all the questions and the rubrics and, and to schedule everything, but also the hiring manager is a big piece of that, of ensuring that they're bringing on the right candidate. And so when we revamped this whole process... We had an hour-long training that was recorded that people can come back to and it was known company-wide, hey, this is happening and hey, if you're a hiring manager, this is something that you must attend and if you're not, but you want to attend because you want to learn and you might be a hiring manager one day, please, you are welcome.
0: I want to again highlight that point you just mentioned there that people ops leaders can't and shouldn't be held responsible for you know having the visibility on that on those sorts of things across the company hiring managers people managers are incredibly important actually it reminded me of a a Mental model that a previous guest shared, where where they were talking about how your your middle management is like the core of your body. Where if you don't have a strong core, you'll collapse, right? Your upper body will will flop all over the place, and, and your legs um, will be running around with no direction from above. So, your middle management, your hiring managers, your people managers are incredibly important.
2: I love that, and also, core work is really hard, and it burns, and sometimes people avoid it, and I think that connection is there for a reason it's it can be hard because managers also get burned out too right like and do hr leaders and so there is often an emphasis on the employee but it's like we're all employees too we all need to be cared for and take care of ourselves and take care of others so yes it's incredibly important that managers are keeping tabs on their direct reports but i also think it's important for everyone to be caring about others, no matter where you are situated on the work chart.
0: completely agree. Got to do your crunches. <laughs> Lauren, maybe we'll stick with you. So you, you mentioned before that you have a new joiner starting, it sounds like, quite soon. Uh, it'd be interesting to, to dig into that a little bit more, what your plans are for that hire and, and any previous hires or, or, or future hires coming down the line. So from a people manager perspective, what is your, your general process for, for integrating new hires into your team, into your workflow?
2: Yeah. So my general process for integrating new teammates is to really take it slow. And I really, truly believe that if you give someone two extra weeks to get to know their team, to get to know the culture, the company, our customers, our product versus jumping right in because like, Oh, we really want to hire you. And there's a gap and you're filling it and you're here, like go do the work. Like if you rush that first process, It's really going to come back to bite you. And just taking a few extra weeks to really ramp them up so they feel comfortable will pay so many dividends. So, how this really shows up for this new employee, I've already scheduled a handful of meetings for him to meet other people on the team and also for other people on the team to train him on certain things. Like, yes, I'll be the main point of contact, but I want my other teammate to show him how he uses sauna and I want my other teammate over here to walk him through the event process that he'll be leading. And so at the same time, I like to make sure that I distribute like the trainings and the check-ins so that he feels like he's really just part of the team. And of course, like I am his onboarding buddy and I'm having multiple check-ins with him per week, but I want to make sure that he is learning from other teammates on the team too. So I have, weekly one-on-ones with my direct reports, but I usually have two or three one-on-ones with new hires for at least the first month. And And if we don't need them, we cancel them, right? But I think it's so, so important that all their questions are answered. And again, if it's a remote environment, people are like, I don't know if I should slack or I should just wait to get on a call. Really want to make sure that they feel set up for success.
0: Maybe then coming on to the more operational aspects of onboarding. Onboarding can be a very time intensive thing. It can it can be very difficult to scale with a business. Talking as a company that has hired a lot of people over the last year or two. I'd be interested to hear, do you think that there are any things that need to be done differently when it comes to the process of onboarding and whether you're a distributed team, a remote first team? If so, what do you think it's needed to change and, and what's your experience been?
1: I definitely think that onboarding is a very like ever-evolving process. Um, I think it's definitely scalable to a certain extent. So we have a little bit over 100 people in our company right now. So it's there's a lot of different processes that we're working through and ever-evolving, but like... For instance, like I just handed over computer ordering to the IT team because they hired a new person and they have more bandwidth for that. So there's different things that we're working through as we get larger and grow. I would say automating processes is probably like our next step here and learning how to navigate that, Um, it is a whole new ballgame for me. So it's been fun to figure out different automations here and there and being like, oh my gosh, this works so much faster than what I was doing in the past. So really just improving on the processes, I think for me.
0: Staying with you, Lisa, I've got another question around, I guess, getting buy in across the company, if you're making some big changes and processes, big investment into to doing onboarding really well, have you faced any difficulty? Have you faced any difficulty in getting other leaders in the company to understand and invest in onboarding in their team? Maybe not everybody's as excited by it as, as Laura. Has there been anything you've had to do to make sure that the rest of the company gets on board?
1: Say there's difficulty getting buy-in. I would say that maybe sometimes managers aren't remembering the process, and so I understand everyone is super busy, and sometimes there are steps that are forgotten in the process. But I'm here to gently nudge them in the right direction to get those things done. Um, something that has helped me personally is that we have again the people manager meeting every month and. Trainings and all of that. So, if I'm seeing a common theme that isn't happening or broken process, we end up doing an overview of the topic and a refresher course because there's always, again, we're growing, we have new managers, not everybody knows the process. So, something that I've just started doing is setting up like calendar invites. So, when I need that onboarding checklist and tool stock, like I sent a calendar request to Laura saying it was due by end of day yesterday. And then what they're supposed to do is then message me saying, hey, the onboarding checklist and their calendar is up to date for the first week, go ahead and send their first week schedule. So that actually, I started doing that about a month ago and I think that's helped keep everyone on track and remember like, oh shoot, I have to do that today.
0: So to then take the, the other side of the equation here uh, for with Laura, as a people manager, What helps you get excited and get on board with any new processes or initiatives that are rolled out by people operations?
2: Yeah, so when our PeopleOps team announces, hey, we have a new process or a new policy, usually I'm excited right away because we are a very data-driven company and all the decisions we make are based on data. So if there are any big changes, I know that we're going to talk about why we changed it and why we're you know, confident that this is the right direction we should be headed in. So for example, we changed up how we do our performance reviews. We made some tweaks to the process and the questions and all that. And we did that because we always ask for feedback after the process. Right. And so a handful of people were not happy with a certain way that we were doing things. And so we changed it up. And so whenever there is a change I'm usually just excited about it because I know that it's because Bonusly is listening to its employees and it's making changes based on that employee feedback.
0: And then, Lisa, I guess to to expand on this point some more uh, around getting buy-in, for the the listener, for the people ops leader in, in their company that maybe has some great ideas, they have some innovative things that they want to try out, they want to experiment. Maybe there's no guarantee that it will it will work out or it'll be something that a company would would do long term. What are some strategies for for convincing exec teams or senior leadership in their business to to try these things out? Yeah,
1: so some advice that I would give to try new strategies out is really look into the problem that you're trying to solve. So every company has something different going on. And you want to make sure you have a strong understanding of the problem that you're trying to solve first and foremost, and then really anchoring on why this is important before building out a process and implementing any ideas. So I always say come with data, data takes conversations a really long way. So if you want to change something, come with the information that will make it happen to change that process.
0: I think that's a great piece of advice. So to wrap us up, I, I want to ask a question that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast, which is what is the best mistake you've ever made? And why? Uh, Laura, I'll put you on the spot first.
2: The best mistake I ever made was it really started back in 2020 or 2021 years. But anyway, I I was working for a small startup that was really affected by COVID. And, you know, I lost my job security. I still had my job, but I was like, "I, I need to find a new company and have more security during this pandemic. And so... I looked for the first job I could find. And while I was interviewing for this organization, I saw red flags, but I was so focused on running away from the situation versus running towards what I really wanted that I took the job. And, you know, to no surprise, I wasn't happy there. The culture really wasn't a fit for what I was looking for. And I hit the six month mark and I said, okay, enough's enough. This was a mistake. And, you know, I think that same day I saw... The job that I'm in now at Bonusly pop up, and so it, it's just interesting. Like you know, think looking back, right? Hindsight is 2020. Maybe this was the path I was supposed to be on in order to be in the job that I'm in now, and it took taking a job that I wasn't happy in order to get there, and just trying to remember that it's so important when you're looking for a job to know that, like. You're valuable and you really are assessing organizations too, and shouldn't just jump to the first company that raises its hand, but ensures that you're going to a place that's a fit. But but know that if it's not a fit, something else will be better on the corner, which is luckily what happened for me.
0: Brilliant lesson. Lisa?
2: Yeah, I can't think of the best mistake I've ever
1: done, but maybe it was a happy accident. My sister sent me, I would say it was about a little over a year ago. She sent me an article from Outside Best Places to work. And it was, Bonusly was in there. And she's like, I feel like this company is literally made for you. And I was like, okay, let me let me check it out. Because at that point, I wasn't really looking to move jobs. Like it wasn't really on the forefront of my mind. As I started looking more and more into Bonusly, I was like, oh my gosh, this company like embodies everything. Like value that I have. It, like employee retention is like a big thing that I've always focused on. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have to work here. So I was actually um, out in Colorado for some different stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to go see where their headquarters is. So I remember driving up to Boulder. I was like, I wonder how far it is from Denver because I lived in California at the time. And so I drove up and I was like, I can't find it. Like maybe they're just a remote company. So I was like scouting online for months and I applied to like two jobs that I definitely wasn't qualified for but I was like I just want to get my foot in the door and then my position came up and I was like oh, this one is meant for me I know it is and I like I, I believe in manifestation so I really think I manifested it so well and everything aligned how it should have like I got to complete one of the big things that I wanted to do at my last job and then literally a week later I got this job and it kind of just like aligned perfectly and I also wanted to move to Colorado so it all all the stars aligned in the perfect way possible and I got to move here in the new year. So I would say maybe not a mistake but a happy accident.
0: Fantastic. One great mistake and one happy accident both leading to Bonasley. Lisa and Laura are clearly pulling their company in the same direction, and it was interesting to hear their process for bringing new team members on board. Their ideas reaffirmed a lot about what we're trying here at Oyster, and there were some other great ideas I might have to try as well. Here are three of my key takeaways from this episode. Employee retention starts with first impressions. The way we make candidates feel during the hiring and onboarding process is going to have a major influence on their success at our companies. We don't get a second chance to write their first email, schedule their first day, or organise their first meeting with the team. So it's on us as PeopleOps leaders to make it a positive experience the first time. People ops leaders and people managers are more successful when they collaborate. Sharing between departments can uncover ideas that are being used by one department that could work well for everyone. Regular meetings help keep everybody in the loop and answer any questions that new managers may have. If you want to try something new and need to get buy-in from your executive team, first, make sure that you have a full understanding of the problem that you're trying to solve. When you're ready to bring solutions to the table, use data to support your pitch to the leadership team. And remember, if you're interested in more findings on what today's job seekers are looking for in an employer, be sure to check out the 2022 employee expectations report by visiting the link in the show notes or visiting this bit.ly link bit.ly forward slash Oyster report. I repeat bit.ly forward slash Oyster report. Thank you for listening to New World of Work, the podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce through an international lens. We hope this episode served to expand your horizons and open your mind to a new perspective. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so that we can reach more listeners. I'm your host, Reese Black. See you next time.